0: How will the world meet growing energy demand while reducing emissions? What technology, human capital, policy and education is needed to making the energy transition a reality? What are the myths and hard truths about all forms of energy, our environment and our economy? The Voices of Energy sets out to explore these questions with the people at the heart of making these changes a reality. We'll go from conversation to application by focusing on actionable strategies that will drive the world and our industry into a new era. I'm Katie Maynard, founder and CEO of Ally Energy, and this is the Voices of Energy. I'm Katie Maynard with the Voices of Energy podcast, and today... I have Warren Spiak, who just joined Ally Energy, and we are joined by David Reed. David is the chief technology officer and chief marketing officer for NOV, where he develops the global technology and marketing strategy engine for the corporation. He lives in Houston. He serves on a number of boards and is very active in the Society of Petroleum Engineers, and in his own time, very, very big support of Redeemed, a program for survivors of sex trafficking. David, thanks for coming on the Voices of Energy podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And Warren, thanks for being my sidekick.
2: I can't believe it. It's like just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about one thing, and then here I am. I've been in your office this morning, and we're a week into this. Amazing. And we got David Reed on the, do. On the show today. you' like a special guest. Yeah, we're now, really you know what's excited. interesting, Katie, is Red M. So, David, I see you just took a sip of your coffee with your Red M mug. True. Why don't we kick it off with that? It's such a cool mission that you've been on with your involvement with Red M, the social media that you've been doing and the way you've been developing the awareness about human trafficking. Katie, am, am I...
0: <laughs> No, well, and you know, I think, think David too, would be really interesting to hear about from your perspective is this notion around professionals with a purpose. You know, at Ally, we are all about being a force for good. And yeah. so you're a force for good. And so is, is, is the Red M movement. Why don't you talk a little bit about that?
1: It's really just a bunch of professionals who realize that we could give money to organizations, but when we give our talent, it's actually worth more than the money we could give. And so we started working on, I mean, most people who started in it didn't really know much about sex trafficking in Houston and, and they learned very quickly. We don't spend a lot of time on educating people on that. It's more doing work for it and let people educate themselves because it can be a heavy subject. So you let people regulate how much they want to know. And we certainly can tell people a lot. We've done certainly pieces of content to help people down that road. But what we found is Teaching people more leadership skills and how giving back is a part of becoming a good leader and learning how to, to bring giving into your life and serving others as just when you have gifts and talent, it's for a purpose. And so, when you get that into people's lives, they learn to be a lot more aware of people and their situation and less kind of self focused. And so, it's a good leadership development process. We have some people who come in and just give their talents, and then we have others who come in and actually get to grow their talents. But everyone gets to do something about a problem that's untouched or hardly touched, which is the recovery process from sex trafficking.
0: Yeah, I know, David, i got to ask a question about this. When you say the work, what does that work look like? What does the recovery process look like? What are um, some of the things? You know, you're right. It's a heavy topic, and it's it's an important topic. It's
1: easily easily misunderstood because people think, They first hear about it and they go, Oh, that's it. I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna rescue them. You know, depending on how you are. Let's let's get let's get everyone aware and let's get people stopping doing that and let's go rescue them. And the numbers show that, you know, around 80% if you rescued them today would go back. And that's because the process that they use isn't some haphazard process. This is a very large corporation. If you look at it in those terms, when you look at the dollars they're making and what they do is they use process, mental processes. And so in, the, in Houston particularly, they've, they've swung over to more U.S. victims because they can get better results by mentally chaining people than they can by physically restraining them. And so even though it is still slavery, it is done by a form of mental coercion where they go through a process. They, they first build barriers that stop them from going back to society. So they do that on purpose. They'll make sure they get a record. Once they have a record, they got them. I mean, it's really hard for them to get real jobs after that. And some of them are college students. You know, they come from all sorts of backgrounds. And so the process is really, it's the psychological damage that you're, you're repairing. And so depending how long they've been in inside of that crime, the longer it takes to recover. And each incident, so the thing people need to know is they do target young, young kids because it builds a barrier but they target all ages and they target all, all demographics and all they need these vulnerability. But once they have that, they'll pull them in. And then every act that happens, every sexual act psychologically works like a rape. And of course, if they're under 18, which many are, they are actually raping children. So when it's not prostitution. It's not some kind of cool word that you want to apply to what is actually child rape. And so every, every instance, psychologically works like that. So you have to undo all of that trauma. But on top of that, the other thing they're doing is working the same way that cults work. So they build an association and a connection to the life that tells them this is where they belong. They they make sure it feels like they're choosing it, even though they're never choosing it. But they do have it's a process to help them to understand that wasn't your boyfriend or, or that wasn't your friend, or this isn't your people, this isn't who you are. You you saw a lot of money being spent on you or bought from you and it makes you think that's your value and this is who you are. So they get you in this psychology of cults, which if you li- if you watch anything on cults, nobody goes into them going, yeah, I was hoping to get into a cult. They actually believe this is something that is, you know, that fits them is for their good. And they go through this process of of having them believe that this is who they are, this is where they belong. And then they create barriers so that when they come out, that's what makes them go back as they believe that's where I belong. And um, so it's it's complex. It's it's a, it's actually an expensive process and uh, it's not lightweight work, but it's definitely underfunded because people want to go to the rescue side or they want to go to the awareness side. So everything in it is heavy duty work. And many people who go into it will open a shelter and then close it within a year. It's very hard to work in that space. There's a lot of trauma to deal with. So they're, they're dealing with a lot of things. But Houston has some of the best in Redeemed, they're probably the longest standing organization. We, we at Red M work with all sorts. We don't just work with Redeemed. We have a lot of different groups we support and work with. But Redeemed was the first one because I was on their board. So it's probably what everyone's used to seeing. But they've, they've seen a lot of recovery. They're probably flipped the switch on the 80% It works the other way. 75, 80% actually stay out of the life. And, and that's a big win. If you can get them to get out of going back to slavery, amazingly human beings will do that process they will go back and so it's really trying to let them know there's other options for them in their life
2: yeah so it's really powerful and if anyone's listening and you want to learn more about red and definitely check out david reed on linkedin and you will be able to not only see he posts often about it but uh we will attempt to put some information about them in the show notes now david you attended our ally energy event last week which it's about allies, right? It's about doing good work. And when I think of you, I realize that not only are you doing what you do with Red M and Redeemed and putting on these great events to really do good work for humankind, but you know your participation and your presence in the room for us is also that you're very supportive about inclusion. And you know the work that Katie has done through Ally Energy has been something that you've been involved with and a supporter of. I ask you, with your role at NOV and the work that you've seen in the in the oil and gas industry, and now we use the word energy, what can you say about the relatability and the, not olive branch, but in a way, like right now our industry as a whole, whether you're into fossil fuels or renewables, we want to see people collaborate. We want to, you know, if you think of Ally Energy, it's about people connecting in a community What would you like to see happen over the next year, two years, with kind of the way the market has shifted and the more ESG consciousness that you see in our industry?
1: Well, it's a great opportunity. It's almost, I think every time you get something new to do, it's an opportunity for change, right? Many people don't like change. I mean, it's very natural for humans to to not want things to change and to want things to be familiar and safe. And that's what causes problems for us, because change is kind of like breathing, right? You can, you can resist it, but eventually you die, you know? So that's the beauty of change opportunities. You've got to get people to move and go, you know, we have to do something here. And the nice thing in the renewable space, we've, we've been around it for longer than we've told everyone, mm. and we kind of quietly worked in the space, mostly because my boss is, has this weird thing about telling the truth. He doesn't he wants to do it so it makes us a bit different to most people who wanted to talk about doing things they were thinking of and not doing you know they were hoping to do so we're not really those people so we didn't we didn't project a lot while we were working on it but as we've worked on it we we've seen there's a there's a much better culture within all the different players when you play in renewables because everyone's just trying to make something work. So it's a new a new way of being for us where there's not an operator who's the big boss who kind of pushes everyone around to get their costs under control it's more that there's there's a whole group of people trying to make something work and everyone's focused on on the same thing and uh, it's a really great culture where we're enjoying working in it and being able to be seen as a partner as opposed to a supplier we always said we were the bottom of the food chain and often you know historically we were treated a bit like that and now I had an event on carbon capture about a week ago with about 19 different operators. And I told them that. I said, you're going to have to get used to this different world where you're going to have to partner with people and not not kind of see yourself as the center, but look at, you know, how do I work with people who can add together and deliver and collaborate better? And so that that word collaboration is something they've really got down, as well as diversity. They're very focused on the diversity side, which I like. They're seeing it as an opportunity To be more diverse, because even you know, you look at tech and other things that have happened, they didn't do a great job at not being a white male centric world, you know. And so they're really trying within renewable space. So there's a lot of good opportunities there, I find, where people can you know can see an attempt to start from scratch. Which, if we got a chance to start from scratch, we would do things differently. And so they are in a lot of spaces. But that's an opportunity to learn, to get better at what we do, to kind of work through some of our some of our history. And start to really see a different world and i think that everyone who's in that space is excited even in our company we have someone asked me yesterday at otc and we were presenting and they said how do you deal with the change for the people in your company and of course it's not much change we make things we're making things over here we're making things over there it's fine we can make for any industry so we're it's not that much change but there's definitely uh Opportunity to kind of look again and to think again. And what happens because it's a it's a hopeful movement, you know, if you're involved in something that isn't done yet. So when you're looking at the renewable space, you're trying to build a new energy capability. You're not saying it's an existing one that works. And so the people in oil and gas often look at it as the enemy. And you're like, it's not the enemy, it's the same thing, it's energy. And you guys have all of the things you have you need to get over here. But our teams, because of that, that spirit of newness and, and hope, traditionally when we try and work in, a, in any subject, try and get something done, our teams will tend to bunch into this is my group, this is your group. How do we work together? I'm gonna try and protect the group that I'm in. That's not happening in our company. And I think that is the nature of something you know new where we we have a lot of hard, serious work to get done to manage the cost and viability of alternatives. And so all of our people. They get in the space, they're collaborative, they talk to each other, they work together, they're open. I say all, they're human beings, not all. But a a majority of people have this collaborative spirit. And when they were asking is, the question was, do you have a, a methodology in the company for people to get involved? I'm like, no, there's no central anything. We just have teams that all work together. And surprisingly, they're working together very well, collaborating very well. So it's an interesting space. And it's a good opportunity for everybody to say, "Okay, something new, different way of being." It's not our enemy. It's actually what we do and they need us. Uh, was a, about seven years ago, someone in renewables in the UK came to us and said, we need you. We're trying to do these projects, but we're, we're government led. We've got lots of inventors and entrepreneurs and we've got all these people trying to do things. But in execution, we really struggle. We struggle to grow. We struggle to multiply. We struggle to do complex things, particularly offshore. We don't integrate well. I mean, we do these things, but it's, it's messy. And so they were saying, we think you could really help us as we try and do this stuff. And so we've gone on a journey over multiple years of getting there. And it's been been a fun journey. It's still early. I know all my team who work in the space often come. I had someone in meeting before this and just said, thank you for letting me do this. Like, it is so much fun. You know, so that's that's, as good when you hear that.
0: You know, I'm listening to you talk about this, David. And one of the things I like about working with you personally is that I think, well, and and Warren as well is individuals and companies are either interested in things or they're committed and committed is really about that marathon mindset. And you guys have been at this a hundred something years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I read on the website, I remember several weeks ago reading this amazing story about the offshore project that you guys did and when, and I remember reading, we power the industry that powers the world. Yeah. Which I still get chills, you know, hearing that. And I know this this past week you we talked a lot about Nov's plan to rejuvenate, repurpose, and reposition. So I well think done. I remember See, well done. I mean,
1: we did a good job. So if you can
0: remember. <laughs> so maybe you could give us little, little tidbits from that. We'd love to hear about that as we wrap the session. What does it mean from your perspective around those three R's? The rejuvenate, repurpose, and reposition. Well
1: done. It is. It's memorable. We talked. To, it's, it's funny. We we didn't like have this long-term plan that looks like that. But I was explaining it to a group about a year ago. I said, we're all doing this, aren't we? I mean, we're working in a bucket of, here's what we do now, and we're trying to do it better with less, less carbon footprint, because that's kind of the rejuvenate world. And then we're, there's this kind of middle space where, for us, it's for example, we we have a large part of the installation business for for wind offshore, but it's jackups and it's lifting. It's things we did already. So we're taking something and repurposing it. So we're repurposing design. We've got a semi-design for wind as well. That's easy for us. But in the renewables businesses, and when they work with governments, they all talk about these demonstrator projects. It's goofy in our world. We don't have demonstrators. We know how to do it. We go do it. We build it. Whereas there's, they're still trying to go, can we do it? So that's interesting. So you're taking your skill over and building a, a much more Stable way of saying, yeah, we can do this. How many do you want? And we've got a project west of Shetlands about 200 semi-submersibles. We're going to build, and that'll that'll power a platform, and then produce excess energy for hydrogens. Very doable for us, but still, you know, in the world in the world out there, government and startups, they're all like, oh, that would be hard. For us, that that's not a complex, difficult thing to do. And then, then finally, the whole reposition is saying we we sat our teams together and said, what else could we do? And in fact, I I, I kind of about five years ago set this goal of we created what looks like a startup up in Navasota and set, and put them so that they didn't work under our system, so they they use credit cards to buy things, but we give them you know they had 3D printers, we added more, we had machine tools, and I said, okay, go and do whatever you want, but take anything in renewables and cut the cost in half. And show me what you can make up. And so they came up with lots of things. And they, there's lots of things died really fast. We learned how to rapid prototype like we'd never done before, cut years out. And we did go out and look at other companies, but they were all stuck by ability to produce or execute, or sometimes they were working on the wrong thing for ten years. And uh, you know, there just there was a lot of startup type behaviors that that weren't helping them move into uh, creating products that could be then rolled out. And so that group is just inventing stuff. So I think we stayed really quiet about those. Like it's, someone mentioned the name of the room they work in, which is a private place for even people in our company haven't been there. And it was uh, someone from the press. And I'm like, how do you know that word? Like I need to know, because that's not, we don't talk about that. You shouldn't know that word and you shouldn't know that place. So it's a very kind of secret lab thing. But now they have a couple of products coming out. And uh, in fact, they told us not to talk about solar, which I was laughing in a meeting this morning because I'm like, we kind of talked about it in the last two presentations. I didn't say much, but I talked about it. There's one investment, which is a tower building system. So we actually build wind towers on site. We made it, we took our factory that used to build workover rigs and we made it into this machine building system. We send the factory to the field and we're building about 100 of them right now on site, where we actually spiral weld the tower rather than ship it. So that's, a, that's just a smart efficiency thing that gets cost out. And allow, you know gets cost out of the tower, gets cost out of the process. They also have a crane for installation. So we built, it looks like a drilling rig, but it's a, it's a much more stable crane. that can go and multiple install without being impacted by wind. And then they, they have a solar system, which is easy to install, transport, and takes all of the manual labor out, which is a big part of, of solar. And, so, and then the tracking system and that. So those are the first products coming out from that group. But that's what it is. It's really having something in the, what are we doing now with what we have? So we have some really great ideas on how to lower carbon footprint. How are we applying it to repurpose what we've got into something else? And then how do we look at invention and repositioning ourselves? Kind of wild.
0: Yeah. So Warren, we can't hear you, but I think what he's saying right now is, first of all, we are going to get you out to Greentown Labs because there's Look, when you were talking about startups, I mean, you're speaking to my heart. And by the way, thank you to you, David, and personally, and to NOV for being a part of LA. But we're with you. It's, it's throw, throw people in a room, give them the tools they need, right? Oh. Leave and and come back and see what they've created. And
1: I mean, I think something we did a bit different to startups, because startups fall in love with their ideas. And so yes. we we're able to, we, we kill ideas and love killing them. And so right. <laughs> we've gone through many things that would have been startups. Just because we give them all the tools to execute to see does this work. Right. And I think one of the it's research companies do this as well, where they have a problem and they try and leave the hard stuff to the end. We make them do the hard stuff first. That's Go right. find the hard stuff, and if it doesn't work, move on. And if you would move yeah. on, you've done the right thing. So, because startups, you're often trying to find an idea and stick with it. You know, it's, and then you're stuck. We we looked at there's a great solution I still like called kites or airborne, where people actually put up at higher levels some kind of wind device and then you pull it off a cable and you you can get it better energy than you can off of a wind tower. Problem was they all spent 10, all 10 of them, 10 companies tried it. In fact, Google and Slumbergy had one that was a big airplane type thing. But most of them spent their time trying to get from the ground up with this kite device, which in that 10 years became the word drone mm. that you could just buy for nothing. And so all that tech was being developed so it was wasted money. Now you got that capital sunk that you're trying to get back. That's the important thing about breaking these things early and having a, a good global view of what you're doing. That's yeah, a fun process.
2: So I know you have a hard stop. I, just, I was on mute, by the way, Katie. Thanks for calling me out. I love being around her. Hey, I was just going to say we have a really cool event that we're going to collaborate with you on that's really exciting in December. But I want to, before we ever share with everybody what that's all about, I want to mention... You have an event coming up. Is it in September? Is it in October or November a, that Red M got the big golf tournament?
1: So golf is on. Let's see if I can get this right in my head. November ninth, we have a golf tournament at Car- Carlton Woods. Last time we did one, it sold out. They're kind of high end, so it's for people with money. Okay, <laughs> but it's. Uh, uh, so if you're, their company owners and CEOs. And yes, we will but, do that. But Yeah, those those guys turned up and last time we did it sold out in the middle of COVID. So yeah, we're doing another one of those. We also will have an event at the Petroleum Club coming up on October 7th. So we're we're just firming that up, which will be an evening to learn about M. Right so And
0: I think I'm going to be at one of your events
1: coming you are, up as you're, well. We haven't told you this. So we moved, you're going to be. You moved me. You're going to be, let's see, what did I say? 9th, the 8th of November, you're going to be inside of that. There's an event happening on the 8th. We're, we're moving things around, trying to get it to work. But we're definitely, we decided aiming it higher, you know, on purpose as we've been learning to do that because these organizations need money. So we're trying to aim higher. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, David, thank you for your time. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for being a force for good and an ally. We really look forward to talking with you talking about all the great things you're doing in the community and for Houston and and for the energy industry and the energy transition.
1: Thanks, Katie. I love the I love the work you do and thanks Warren for helping Katie out.
2: Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Fun times.